0: Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. So today is Mother's Day. I can't avoid it. If I did, my wife and my mother would say shame on you. And... You know, as I thought about Mother's Day, there's a lot of ideas, theories about what to do on church on Mother's Day. Some churches make a big deal about it, certainly, and some churches actually, because of the liturgy, because of the biblical holidays, ignore it completely. They don't even mention it. And as you know me, you know, I'm always doing something a little different, so I, you know, I've investigated how to, how to manage a church and how to manage the holidays and how to manage Mother's Day. And, and look, Mother's Day can be a difficult day, certainly. For those of us who've lost our mothers, particularly if it's recently, it's painful. For those of us who don't have children and would love to have children, it can be painful. So Mother's Day can be a difficult day. It's why some churches don't decide to talk about it. But I realized that our church here, we have a lot of children. We have almost as many children as all of you, and they're in all the Sunday schools right now. And I cannot be more thankful for all of the energy, commitment, and sacrifice all the families, especially the women of this church, make for those children. So I want to thank each and every mother personally for what you do to raise your children, whether you're a young mother or whether you are a seasoned mother, whether you are a grandmother, a great-grandmother, we at Kingsway, we applaud you and we honor you. That's what the flowers are about. That's what this service is about. We also realize that we all have one thing in common on Mother's Day, do we not? Last time I checked, we all came from one. We all have a mother. Amen. All of our experiences differ how we experienced growing up and being raised. Some have very fond memories of the mothers and some maybe less so fond. But the reality is, is God sent us to this planet and he he used motherhood to bring us here and to give us life and breath. Many of you are in close connection and relationship with your mother. There's often, many families here have many generations together. I see them in the lobby all the time. Yet I also acknowledge that there are some family members here who maybe don't speak to their mother, not on speaking terms, or, or have a relationship tension with their mothers. And so I decided through prayer to focus today on exactly that, motherhood. You know, we have sermons that I preach sometimes that don't speak to every single one of you. I preach our sermon about addiction or anger or about. You fill in the blank and you may say, ah, that, that sermon didn't speak to me today. I believe that in the Word of God, there is something for everyone. But today, we want to focus on moms. Amen? Amen. So I invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Kings. Yeah, and everyone's like, what, what did he say? 1 Kings. First Kings, you know, the Bible's not a dictionary. I don't know. Every time I open the Bible, I look at A, B, C. When there's a number, I always go to the beginning. Like, isn't the numbers at the beginning? No. First Kings, and there's books of the Bible with number one and two in front of them all throughout. This one is in the Old Testament. In my Bible, it's about a quarter of the way through. First Kings, it's after all those initial books, and then First Samuel, Second Samuel, Joshua, all that. Then you get First Kings. When you're there, say amen. First Kings chapter 3 is where I will be preaching from this morning. And I will admit going straight away that I've sought a lot of help. I've, I've spoken to a few mothers. I've reviewed my sermon. And I needed help even on how to bring this to bear. I, I looked to two pastor friends. I told them I would give them credit. Reverend Todd Lynn and, and Pastor Stephen Spence have sort of helped me put some thoughts together here this morning. So these aren't all mine. And I wanted to really go a non-traditional way. I've preached on motherhood the last three years that I've been here. I've talked about various scriptures to support and encourage mothers. I've talked about, you know, motherhood and what it means to me. Last year, I talked about Psalms 31 and what the Bible says about motherhood. Amber preached a message about motherhood. So we've done it a lot of traditional ways. So I kind of had a, you know, I got that out of my system. So today is, is a more typical Simon message. is a little... Non traditional. I hope you're going to be okay with it. So, the way I thought about this is wow, the Bible says a lot about mothers, and most of these mothers are like amazing. They do like impossible things, right? They lose a husband, or they have to go do this, or they have to train up that person, and they have to have all the supernatural strength and supernatural wisdom, and and somehow they manage to be these these wonderful moms despite all the, the strife going on in their lives. And so, I began to search the scripture for eh, less perfect moms. Moms that, you know, and I love my mom, you're a perfect mom, so I'm not talking about you, but all the rest of the moms that aren't as perfect. I realize it's tough. Look, I'm married to one, and I see that most of her struggles aren't really with me. She may tell you that. But motherhood is difficult, especially raising up, and it doesn't end when they're out of the house. And so I was looking to the word of God for something that could help me encourage the women, the mothers and the husbands and fathers and men that are watching our women go through this with some encouragement from the word of God. So I found this crazy scripture in first Kings. It's one that I've known well. It's one of the passages, one of the stories that I just find truly invigorating, exotic even in scripture. So I'm, I'm going to talk about it today. It's in first Kings chapter three. You can skip right down to verse 16. And I'm going to read in my story Bible here. This is the um, New Living Translation. Okay, in verse 16, it starts here. Sometime later, two prostitutes came to the king to have an argument settled. Please, my lord. One of them began. This woman and I live in the same house. I gave birth to a baby while she was with me in the house. Three days later, this woman had her own baby. We were alone and there were only two of us in the house. But her baby died during the night when she rolled over on it. Then she got up in the night and took my son from me while I was asleep. She laid her dead child in my arms and took mine to sleep with her. In the morning, when I tried to nurse my son, he was dead. But when I looked more closely in the morning light, I saw it wasn't my son at all. Then the other woman interrupted, it certainly was your son and the living child is mine. No, the first woman said, the living child is mine and the dead one is yours. And so they argued back and forth before the king. Then the king said in verse 23, let's get the facts straight. Both of you claim the living child is yours, and each says the dead one belongs to the other. All right, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought to the king. In verse 25, then he said, Cut the living child in two, and give half to one woman and half to the other. Then the woman who was the real mother of the living child and who loved him very much cried out, oh no, my Lord, give her the child, please do not hurt him. And the other woman said, all right then, he will be neither yours nor mine, divide him between us. The king then said, do not kill this child but give him to the woman who wants him to live, for she indeed is the mother. And when all of Israel heard the king's decision, the people were in awe of the king, for they saw the wisdom God had given them for rendering justice. Almighty Father, allow your word to become living today. Let this word of God be a living, breathing Father God, example of who you are, of your wisdom, your grace, your mercy, allow to speak to us this morning in a real sincere way as we unpack, Lord, what you have for us way back when, as you put forth to us these two mothers. In Jesus' name, I pray. And the church says, Amen. amen. Crazy story, right? Crazy. All right, let's get some background settled. This is King Solomon. Who is King Solomon? Well, you guys heard me tell all the stories. We walked through it. Moses, right? Red Sea. Joshua, right? Promised Land, right? All this kind of stuff. And and then we talked about David. and We, we talked about the altar and, and how David uh, created an altar. And then we talked about the, the Ark of the Covenant and how David carried that into Jerusalem and how he was a man after God's own heart, right? And how he restored the temple. We've talked about this at nauseum a lot. And remember we had that little thought there. David actually didn't get to build the new temple. He never saw it. His son did. His son did. Who was his son? Solomon. This was a guy who at the age of 20 had to become king of all the Israel people. How do you do that? How do you, how do you step into your father's shoes and take over? This is a man that was given tremendous wisdom and understanding. And his first case was these two mothers who came to him. Two mothers living in a home together. Two mothers who have children at the same time. Two mothers with no father around. Two mothers with little baby boys. One was accidentally rolled on and suffocated. Come on. The mother is beside herself, doesn't know what to do or how to feel, and she just reacts. She sneaks into the room of the other mother, and she switches the babies. What? What? The other mother, in the course of the night, you know, is trying to stir her baby, I'm sure, and in the morning is trying to nurse her, and it's just not feeding, and she takes one look at him and realizes... This is not my boy. What do you do? They go to the king. In this case, Solomon. And his first case is to figure out who's lying and who's telling the truth. There are no witnesses. This is a matter of life and death. This is a matter of a baby who barely knows who his mother is, being raised by his rightful mother or being raised by a a thief. How do you make that decision? How do you do that? That's the story that we enter into here in First Kings chapter 3. Like I told you, this is not going to be a traditional Mother's Day sermon. So I want to tell you how non-traditional this is going to be. I'm going to get it out right away. If we look here at the first part of this verse, First Kings chapter 3 verse 16, we see a very interesting detail. You probably already picked up on it. It says, now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. Harlots. These two women, now we know why they were living together. Real moms are imperfect. Just let that settle in for a second. Real moms are imperfect. And I hope that's an encouragement to you this morning and to every mother in this room. Real moms are not perfect. They are not sinless. It's a matter of record that these two women in the passage, here they had made mistakes. They had done wrong. In fact, they both had a very dark and shady past. Here's the verse. It's a small, important detail that's easily overlooked in the overall drama that unfolds. Two women are described as harlots, as prostitutes. Kind of shocks us, right? The fact that I'm even talking about it on Mother's Day. Maybe it changes our views of these two women. Maybe we bristle a little bit and feel a little uncomfortable, unclean, that pastor's revealing mothers with an expectation that they are supposed to be not so imperfect. Like, go imperfect, Sean, but Matt, you're going maybe a little too far. Make no mistake, the Bible here is not endorsing prostitution. That's not the point. It explains why neither of them had husbands around or fathers for the baby while they were before this king. A woman does not have to be sinless to be real. In fact, it's quite the opposite. A mother does not have to be sinless to be a caring, real, loving mother. We're all familiar with Psalms 31, I preached a whole sermon about it. I love Psalms 31. It's about a woman, a mother, who gets up early and buys and sells and cooks and cleans and makes clothing. She probably changes the tire on the car before work. She puts another log on the fire. She then takes her boots off her husband at the end of the day. Her husband loves her. Her kids love her. The food is wonderful. Everyone praises her. That's the Psalm 31 mother. I'm sure there are some of those among us but it's almost unbelievable. In fact, if all you know from Scripture is the mother from Psalms 31, then you may think it's impossible to be a mother. There's not a single negative word in Psalms 31 about this woman. And I'm almost positive that if you got the husband off the record, having a little conversation, he would say, ah, she's not that perfect. Let me tell you what she, let me tell you about, no, that's not in there. You see, she's not perfect because she did sin and she does sin. We all sin. The Bible tells us we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In this particular story, these mothers were not perfect. One woman accidentally suffocated her own child. Wasn't no purpose. This wasn't what she intended to do. She was sleeping. She made a mistake. She's suffering the consequences mentally, physically, emotionally. The other woman isn't perfect either. She allowed her child to be stolen in the night. Generally, something you don't do as a mother. Both moms, both imperfect. Real moms aren't perfect. Isn't it encouraging to know that even when we make a mess of our lives and when we goof up for poor choices, that God's grace is still available? Ladies, aren't you glad that God loves imperfect mothers? Some people are. And aren't you glad that God also loves the children from imperfect mothers? God gives wisdom to Solomon so that the little child's real mother can properly care for him. That's why he got the wisdom. God gives wisdom to mothers who seek it. God gives honest mothers who know they are imperfect. He guides them and he blesses them. He does this guidance and blessing for married moms. He also does it for single moms and step moms and foster moms and adoptive moms. This is the point of encouragement. And it should also encourage you about your own mother. Many of us have imperfect mothers. Or you had imperfect mothers. Some of you may feel like, you just don't know, Pastor Sean, you just don't know my mom. And yet here you are. She must have done something, right? Surely you can thank God for the things she did to care for you even though she made many mistakes. After all, we are imperfect children, and we fail our perfect father all the time, God the Father. And so in turn, God says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, including your mother, even as God in Christ forgave us. There is no such thing as a perfect mother. My wife shared her feelings on it. And I'm not here to drag mothers down, But no one needs to be treated with more care and tenderness than our own mothers. Perhaps no one is more caring and conscientious than our own mothers. Sometimes we're too hard on them, and they're too hard on themselves. The two mothers in this story were harlots. Their babies were evidently conceived under sinful circumstances. That's got to grab you. That's got to make you sit up in church and say, Why did King Solomon, God... Gave King Solomon the king of all the chosen people. Why would he even waste his time to worry about these two women? These two people. These women and the sinful men who paid for their services were living outside of God's will. Why would God care? Solomon was concerned about these two women because God was concerned about these two women. I don't have to convince you that the church should stand for morality. But the church should also stand for forgiveness and restoration. At the point of our confession, God sheds His grace upon us. The church should be zealous about moral purity, and it should be equally zealous about forgiveness, grace, hope, and redemption. Never forget that the church is not a place for those who do not know they are sick, a place for those who do not know they need a doctor. Jesus said, I came for people who know they are sick. The church is a hospital for such people. These women here, they weren't living up to God's standard, yet God still loved them. If any of us had to wait for God to love us based on our performance, you're out of luck. There's no such thing as a perfect mother. Just like we aren't perfect and there are none among us right now. If there's anyone whom we should overlook their faults shouldn't it be our mothers who've overlooked all of ours for so long We need to lighten up a little bit on mom and moms need to lighten up a little bit on themselves Moms need to laugh they need to have a good time hopefully Husbands, children, you're going to do something fun for mom today and you're going to take them out, have a good time. If they're cooking, hopefully they're not cooking, but if they're home, you know, you're having a good time with them and you're making them laugh. I wanted to find a way to kind of make you mom smile today, so I took one of these little books. They're really awesome. Children's Letters to God. I don't know if you've read this. It's really cute. I wanted to read some. i make you smile a little bit. It's too serious in here. Dear God, did you mean for the giraffe to look like that or was that an accident? Dear God, I read the Bible. What does the word begat mean? Nobody will tell me. Dear God, I went to this wedding and I saw them kiss in the church. Is that okay? Dear God, thank you so much for this baby brother. But what I prayed for was a puppy. Dear God, please, please, please send me a pony. I've never asked anything before. Look it up. Dear God, please send Dennis Clark to a different camp this year. Peter. Dear God, I think about you sometimes, even when I'm not praying. Dear God, I bet it's very hard for you to love any, everybody in the world. I believe it's very hard for you to love everybody in the world. There are only four people in my family, and I can't even do that. Dear God, I didn't think orange went well with purple until I saw the sunset you made yesterday. That was awesome. Those are authentic letters by real children. Hopefully they made you smile. And if they didn't find something, that will make you smile. I don't care what it is, but that's the way you need to be. Mom's life is too hard to go around being upset all the time, and God is too good to be frowning all the time. Amen. Amen. God is good. And all the time. Okay, you're awake now. What else did I learn about moms through reading this passage? Real moms have a maternal love for their children. You really see this in the first passage in verse 21. I have it here on the screen here. It says, when I looked more closely in the morning light, I saw it wasn't my son at all. The implication here is that the mother really knew her own child three days old. She was able to tell that this other child who had been placed in her bosom was not her child. Remember, this was a time before electricity and modern lighting. She didn't, she couldn't look in the middle of the night and see who it was. She had to wait until the morning time. And when it was the morning time, the sun rose and shined outside and she looked and realized it wasn't her baby. You know, for many of us, one newborn looks like every other. I can't tell the difference. I'm sorry. When I come to the hospital, if I'm invited, if I'm not invited, believe me, I won't come. But if I'm come, look, moms need space in the hospital. Look, take all the time and space. Use the nurses. When you get home, it's all on you. So I'm fine with waiting until you get home. But when I come see these babies, I hold them. I bless them. I anoint them. I say how cute they are. I don't know what I'm looking at. They all look the same to me. Does it look like the mother? Does it look like the father? Oh, Yes, the mom. Yes, the dad. I don't know. I don't, it's not in me. In fact, I'm sorry. I can't tell if it's a boy or girl. You know, so I say, oh, the baby's so cute. What's the baby's name? That the way you avoid, you know, any gender until they tell you. So, but that's not the case with mothers. Mothers instantly know. They instantly know their baby. It's as if they haven't seen him in their whole life, and now they know. And this was the case with this baby because real moms are compassionate. This mother in 1 Kings 3 knew straight away that her child was not her own because she had lovingly looked over every detail of her little baby. That's what mothers do. Real moms love their children. She looked at the color of his eyes, his facial features, his length, his beauty marks, the way he cooed, the way he cried. Sometimes when we get angry at our own mothers, it's helpful to remember once we were little bundles of love and they had to spend an enormous amount of time and compassion on us. Moms, Real moms are compassionate. That very word compassion, it's found in one translation in 1 Kings 3.26. When you look at that verse again in the King James Version, it said, The woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion. No matter what the circumstances were that involved this baby being conceived, there is real compassionate love of a mother for a child. No matter the poor choices, the regretful decisions, a real mother's love for her child is constant. And God loves you. God loved this little child in the passage. And even though it was conceived in sin and there was so much going against this child, remember that God's wisdom was brought to Solomon for the case and love of this little baby child. And God's wisdom is available to you and to me and every mother in here and every mother who's listening to this on the podcast. James 1.5 says, if you lack any wisdom, ask God and he will give it to you without limit. I wish I had more time just right there, but I'm gonna expand this because something else about moms becomes so clear to me. If I look at that verse, I, I just go back to the beginning here. 1 Kings 3.17. The mom comes and she says, Please, my Lord. Please, my Lord. Helpless mother? Worthless mother? Unqualified mother? Is that what this is about? That's what some people would say, but not me. When I look at it, I saw something else. I saw something very different. This is a mother asking for help. This is a real mom, because real moms are wise. They know they can't do it all themselves, they often realize their partner can't complete the formula either. Real moms seek a higher power. They seek God. Let me say it this way. They don't expect to see a stress-free parenting experience. They don't look for a problem-free motherhood. It does not exist From the pains of childbirth to the empty nest to the grandparents and beyond, motherhood is well stressful. Once again, this is not mentioned to discourage anyone. This is good news. God is willing and able to assist moms in the problems that they encounter every single day. God didn't give Solomon wisdom so the folks around him would say, ooh, and ah, look how smart Solomon is. He gave him wisdom for this purpose. God not only loved the two prostitute mothers, he loved the little baby in the story too. God dispatched his wisdom to Solomon to save the child. Solomon asked for it. This woman said, please, Lord, she asked our higher power. Wisdom is going to God for the answers. He has wisdom to spare time. He has wisdom to spare for you parenting responsibilities today. He can guide and provide for mothers in all kinds of life situations. Single moms, adoptive moms, stepmoms, moms with special situations, you name it. Kids today have special needs. That's okay. God has the wisdom to give you for the task. He can teach you what to do and what to say in every situation. I love this little story. Like the mom who was tucking her small boy into bed one summer night during a thunderstorm, a violent thunderstorm. She was about to turn out the light when the little boy asked with a tremor in his voice, Mommy, will you sleep with me tonight? The mother smiled, gave him a reassuring hug. She says, I can't, dear. I have to sleep with your daddy. He needs me, too. A long silence was broken, at last, by a shaky little voice. That big sissy. Look, mistakes, guilt, frustration with mothers happen all the time. Do I punish them too much? Do I punish them not enough? Am I being their mother or their friend? Do I feel guilty for spending too much time with my husband or my friends than my children? Should I be working on the outside of the home or on the inside of the home? Do I send them to this school or that school? Decisions need to be made all the time. Life-changing, life-altering decisions that a mother has to make. Wisdom, God is offering you. So real moms, in the midst of all those decisions, are willing to make sacrifices. They sacrifice for their children. They give up things in order to bless their children. Right here in verse 26. Oh, my Lord, give her the living child. Think about that for a second. You are sitting there as a mother, and you have to give up your child to another woman who you know is not your mother, who you know is not good. You have to give up your child because you love your child and you want your child to live. That's what mothers would do. Now think about God, God the Father, he would want to do the same thing. He wanted to call down 10,000 angels when his son was put sent to the cross. But he didn't. Not because he didn't love his son, but because he loved all of you. The woman whose son was living spoke for the king. She yearned with compassion. Oh, Lord, by no means kill him. And the other one said... Let him be neither mine nor yours, but divide him. The real mother was willing to give up her child. More important than defending herself or arguing her case or being right, the mom was willing to give up her son entirely. Real moms are sacrificial. Personal sacrifice is the higher calling of parenthood. Many of us can look back and thank our mother for the personal sacrifices, beginning with walking around with a basketball in their belly, And those are the times where they were nurturing and providing for this child and sacrificing their own wants for the wants of the child. Ideally, children thrive best when their parents follow God's plan. One man, one woman, faithfully wedded, biblical marriage, raising their child together, dad as a spiritual leader, provider, protector, mother, loving, nurturing, caring, But this passage, this passage right here, it gives tremendous hope to those families who don't look like that, to single parents who sacrifice their children. My mother often did without so that I could have. And some of you share the same testimonies. In other cases, your mother wasn't an easy one. Look, years ago, this woman wrote a letter to the newspaper expressing frustration with motherhood. The stereotypical stay-at-home mother I've read this, I think, every year on Mother's Day. I have a few minutes here. I want to read this. This is just great. So this mother is responding. It was written in the paper and published. It's gone viral, and if it was on Twitter today, everyone would know it word for word. But I'm going to read it again. I'm so tired of all those ignorant people who come up to my husband and ask him if his wife has a full-time job or is she just a housewife. You asked for it, so here is my job description. I am a wife, I am a mother, I am a friend, a confidant, a personal advisor, a lover, a referee, a peacemaker. I am a housekeeper, a laundress, a chauffeur, an interior decorator, a gardener, a painter, and a wallpaperer. I am a dog groomer, I'm a veterinarian, I'm a manicurist, a barber, a seamstress. I'm an appointment manager, a financial planner, a bookkeeper, a money manager. I'm a personal secretary. I'm also a teacher, a disciplinarian, an entertainer, a psychoanalyst. I'm a nurse. I'm a diagnostician. I'm a public relations expert. I'm a dietitian. I'm a nutritionist. I'm a baker. I'm a chef. I'm a fashion coordinator. And you know what? I'm a writer and I write letters for both sides of the family. Hey, wait, wait, wait. I'm also a travel agent a speech therapist, a plumber, and an automobile maintenance and repair expert. From research that I've done, it would cost more than $100,000 a year to replace me. I took time out of my busy day to write this letter because there are still ignorant people who believe a housewife is nothing more than a babysitter who sits on her behind all day watching TV you got to be willing to give something up to be a mother. God does give us power. He gives us wisdom. And he has made sacrifices. Personal sacrifice is a pivotal part of motherhood. It begins by sacrificing your own bodies to carry the child around in the womb for nine months. No mother's child ought to get over that sacrifice. Our mothers fed us, nourished us, protected us with their own bodies before we even saw the day of light. I don't know anyone else who loves me enough to carry me around for nine months. I don't even like carrying my own children for a couple hours. But a mother's sacrifice does not end there. They keep on going. They give up sleep for midnight feedings. They give up personal goals to help their children achieve theirs. Ask yourself, How many times you got a new outfit and your mother went without? How many times she gave you exactly what you wanted for dinner? We honor moms for all the giving they do, for they remind us of God, who is sacrificial and he himself giving. He gave his only son for a world of a bunch of misfit children. That kind of love should not go unnoticed, should not go unappreciated. Respond today to your mothers. Respond to them with great love, great appreciation. And respond to the God who created motherhood in the same way. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.